In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. And he kind of double fists his iPad and puts it right up against basically the nose of the seven-year-old then trained and says, look what I... But the seven-year-old then trained, he goes, no, that's pornography. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my brother from another mother, Although we look like we're from different mothers. I guess I just said brother for another mother. Dale Culver, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. That cup of coffee is getting to me a little yeah, bit. So even though we're in a zombie apocalypse, I'm doing wonderful. Wired. Anyway, hey, Dale, I'm super excited today about our guest. This guy is the vice president of an organization that we are actually offici- officially affiliated with. And I believe this is one of the greatest organizations to battle our sexualized culture. This is the greatest tool, I think, for men. We've tried many different things through the years, and I'm really, really, really passionately believe in this organization, and I'm honored to have this guy on my show. But before we get on uh, with Sam, do you have a man word? I do. This was a tough one for me, man, and you're not going to guess it. Oh, it's lust. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> Covenant. Well, I, when I think of a man word, too, I, I try to think of the positive side of a man word. Yeah, you're a lot more positive than me. Yes, I'm Half uh, full. Half full. So uh, this one I actually... Purity. Holiness. <laughs> I actually... Holiness did go through my mind at one point, but I went with transparency. Oh, that's really good, man. And, uh, that's a great and, one. Because when you're talking about this uh, covenant eyes thing, uh, the big part of it is transparency. Having that accountability and transparent with somebody that knows everything that's going on and that you're able to share um, what's going on in your brain and they can see screenshots of what you're looking at. So I think it's so important that you have somebody, an accountability partner, that you're transparent with always. I, I had a guy tell me, a pastor who actually had a moral failure and left the ministry, but in a, a pretty heated moment, he said, I don't understand your generation of this vulnerability thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, maybe it's because we're living in a different era than he lived in, but he had a moral failure. I just think it's really important for guys we need to lock arms, lock shields with some guys that, or at least one guy, uh, two guys, three guys that have our Somebody. back. I'm really interested to find out what the view of our guest is with regarding our wives. 
So that'll be really fun. But let's uh, hey, before we bring Sam on, do you have a shout out on iTunes or review? I do. You know who you are, Josh Frederick from Mattoon, Illinois. I Thank know you. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that church. I see him. I see videos of him like lifting weights. He just weights. got baptized. No, that's his brother. But yeah. Josh just he got baptized. He works out with his brother, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think Matt's a little stronger, though. Maybe. I'd like to see a bench off. Anyway. <laughs> but hey, hey, man, uh, hit me up. Uh, info at meninthearena.org. We want to shoot you out some swag. And we want to, uh, you, what we need for you to do is send your address so we can do that. So yeah. that'd be awesome, buddy. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Hey, let's let's get this going, man. I want to bring on our, our guest, new friend, Sam Black. Sam is 52 years old. He lives in Owasso, Michigan, with his beautiful wife of 25 years. I, I don't know if she's beautiful, but with his bald head and beard, she's got to be beautiful. I mean, come oh, on. She's gorgeous. Yeah, huh? I, get, I bet it. I bet. I bet. Sam is a vice president at Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability, and he's the author of The Porn Circuit, Understand Your Brain and Break porn habits in 90 days. He joined Covenant Eyes in 2007 after 18 years as a journalist. He's edited 16 books on the impact of pornography and how to protect our families. And man, Sam, it's a joy to have you on, man. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, Jim. Thank you. So you you were a journalist and you've edited books. I have a friend of mine who used to be a journalist who's now an author. Do you know Paul Coughlin? No More Christian Nice Guy? I, I Yeah, I've, heard, I've, I've seen his book. Yeah, yeah, he used to be a journalist. Now he's an author and doing some stuff. And so, who did you edit for? Um, well, I was an, uh, a reporter and an editor in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan. So I, I got around a little bit. Yeah, I was worked for both magazines, daily newspapers, etc. That's cool. Well, tell us your story, man. How'd you end up with Covenant Eyes? And 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 tell us a little bit more about you. Maybe hobbies you enjoy. What do you like to do in Michigan in your free time? Uh, so, uh, hobbies is one of mine is uh, running. I love, I enjoy running. I do uh, half marathons, typically some marathons. Um, and it, in Michigan, it gets a little chilly. So, as long as it's thirty degrees or above, outside running. A little chilly. I was in Baxter, Minnesota last week. And uh, it was 20 was the high, and every body of water was an ice skating rink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we actually in Michigan, we look over at Minnesota and go, God bless these poor people over there. They're cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to throw you right into the fire, man. We're going to throw you into what we call our rapid fire round. Are you ready Shoot. for this? I'm ready. All right. But what I've done, Sam, is I've taken – Four phrases that I think relate to your organization, and I want you to give me your gut response of each phrase. You can talk as long as you want, but I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to go with the gut, all right? All right. Okay, the first one. This one's a – you're at the plate right here. I'm going to throw you a fastball down the pipe. This is going to be an easy one. This is like running a 10K for you, right? Covenant (laughs) eyes. Um. Empowering people to change their lives and live in freedom. So, Covenant Eyes is all about having and uh, is helping people live in freedom. So, whether it's through a multitude of educational resources, which are, by the way, are all free, um, free ebooks at covenanteyes.com forward slash ebooks, as well as our software, which is goes on your phones, tablets, computers. 
the idea behind all of this is to connect people with other people so you can live authentically and have conversations that much of the Christian world is afraid to have, but we get to live in authentic, in authenticity and freedom. I'll tell you what, I love the word freedom because that is the greatest hindrance when people fall into the world of porn is they lack freedom. They're in bondage to their time is now in bondage because the time it takes. They're in bondage to their mindset. They're in bondage to a sin that grips them and consumes them. They're in bondage to guilt. And God is a, a God of freedom, and he wants our freedom. And I think the one of the greatest bondages we have to freedom is our secret. It's a secret. Mm-hmm. You remember, tri- remember Triple X Church? Do you remember the, those guys? Yeah. They had a, they had a, back in the nineties, I had triple X church on my, on my computer and uh, their, their tagline was your dirty little secret. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, Hey, so here's the next, here's the next phrase. And I'm really intrigued to hear this, uh, uh, what you think about this. The phrase is porn circuit. That's where to me, in my mind, I see a, a synapse in the brain. Um, neural pathways in the brain that be, have learned over time through repetition to create to crave pornography. So bored, anxious, frightened, frustrated, irritable, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are all just triggers that flip a circuit in the brain that says, I need to find a, a, an unhealthy way to soothe whatever issue I have. And that it's it, because it's happened so many times that porn circuit is is like a, a, a switch being flipped. It is hard for a man or a woman, for that matter, to turn away from pornography. So when I when I hear you say synapse, I'm seeing a neuron superhighway, and in between yeah, the right. neurons is a small gap, and that gap is the synapse. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and I, and I and maybe I'm I'm playing that in the wrong way, but uh, the the basic idea behind it is that we have literally lost the woods. The first time you walk that path, it's uh, it's hard to get through, uh, but with enough times walking through and knocking away the uh, uh, the trees and the grass, etc. Once that happens, uh, there's a path that happens, and that path can get wider and wider to a road and to a highway to a super highway. And people get stuck on the in this neural pathway in the brain that craves pornography. So this pathway you're talking about, this is a biological chemical response in the brain. That is correct. See, God designed our whole body, uh, and including that brain that He gave us to be able to learn to and to use. He gave us our sexuality. Um, Sex is God's idea. We didn't have it. <laughs> he designed yes. it. We just ended up corrupting it. Yes. Now, pornography is not sex. It's a hijacking of what God created. So it's hijacking the whole sexual process, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's it, just like anything God creates, Satan creates a counterfeit. You know, uh, the way God designed sex is deeply intimate. Uh, beautiful in design, drawing the husband and wife closer together. Uh, it is deeply satisfying. With pornography, it's the opposite of those. 
It is not intimate. It is self-focused, not giving. It's always taking. It is also all about the arousal, all about the excitement, and the satisfaction is very poor. Yeah, that's so it's always anticipating the next thing rather than focus, love, and attention and, and satisfaction. And would you say with pornography, uh, like alcohol or drug use, you have this high, high moment, and then as it progresses, it takes more to get high. Like there's a uh, there's a a built there's a tolerance built to it. Is that what yeah. you it, with, with these neurons open up their super highway? Does it become more and more difficult to achieve arousal through pornography? Absolutely. So there are. Let me walk you through, if I can, what I call the porn rut. The porn what? The porn rut. Oh. Let me walk you through what I call the porn rut. There's four parts to it. Number one is sensitization. Now, this can all be found in all the neurological uh, writings in regard to many addictions. Uh, Dr. Norman Doidge and the brain that changes itself is Dr. William Struthers and Wired for Intimacy. These are doctoral level writers uh, who who substantiate everything I'm going to say here. First of all is sensitization. Uh, we've become very sensitive and easily turned on by, because of repetitive use of pornography. This doesn't happen overnight. This comes through repetition. Uh, we've practiced this. And so even things that are related, maybe it's a billboard or a TV advertisement or any number of things, we've become very sensitive, sensitized to sexual media and thus are going to seek out pornography. Number two, we have triggers. Now, you probably met someone who smoked and when they would have a cigarette, well, they would want a cup of coffee or when they, let me reverse, when they, you probably met someone who smoked and when they, when they had have a cup of coffee, they'd want a cigarette or they'd have a meal and they want a cigarette. There were different triggers that happened to them and then they would want to smoke. The same is true for pornography and those may be boredom, frustration, irritability, um, you know, feeling high pressure or anxiety. All those can be triggers to seek out pornography, to soothe, entertain, any number of things. And our brain has just become accustomed to saying, if I'm feeling this kind of anxiety, a porn trigger goes off and I'm going to go seek it out. Number three is desensitization. Desensitization is what you were talking about. The brain has said, wait, I shouldn't be getting this much dopamine for this visual activity that I'm doing. And so simple that it used to be that pornography was just basic nudity, right? Yes. Um, what the Supreme Court would have called obscenity um, in the, from all the way up into the 90s was what we call common pornography today. And so as the um, people have consumed more and more pornography, they've become desensitized to it. Um, I was reading an article in regard to a college professor who was teaching a pornography class, and he would give a warning uh, in the past about, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to show you a scene, and uh, it's very graphic and violent and et cetera, so I'm just going to warn you. And then after he did that, for this newer class, they were like, 
he said to these days, people, their kids were always like, what's the big deal? You know, this is what they've been seeing since they were sometimes seven, eight years old. Yeah. Finally, the fourth one in this is hyperfrontality. And hyperfrontality is simply that the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the thinking part of the brain, has become weak when it comes to pornography. Uh, think of it like, you know, you were talking about uh, having a, a bench off, right? Well, now the, the prefrontal cortex is too weak to do the, to do the press. Wow. So when it's fighting, you know, when pornography is being presented, the trigger comes or they see it um, and have accessibility to it, turning away is nearly impossible because their brain has just simply become so weak when it comes. So that is down. the term is hypofrontality. Hypofrontality. So is that recoverable for a guy who's been addicted to porn all of his life, who gets clean, or is that damage permanent, like liver damage? It is not permanent. I'm a perfect example of it. Okay. Well, I want to. I'm going to ask you about your story in just a second because I I, I usually we bring a story into an organization like this. So, but before Mm -hmm. we do that, let's talk about the next phrase: accountability reports accountability reports that is a report that says what i do online is no longer secret i'm going to invite a friend to come in here with me so even when i'm on my phone and i'm a a thousand miles away from my house or with my computer a friend and i actually have three friends that received my report they are, they, are my, they are my guardians. They are my confidants. They are my um, people who I can get honest with and real about, about temptations before they can overtake. That's interesting. I, first of all, I love what you said, invite a friend. Uh, I do have a question about this real quick. So one of my people, one of the people I've pulled into that world is my wife, Shanna. So she gets my reports and she's diligent to see those reports and and respond to those reports, which I really, really wanted her to do. And I wanted to bring her in. She is not a confident for me when it comes to lust and my temptation with lust. I have men I use as confidants, although my wife is my accountability partner. What is your wife? One of your accountability partners on, on covenant eyes. You know, I did that some years ago, probably. Wow maybe a decade ago. And I thought, well, she would just want to know. And I was looking over her shoulder one day and I said, and I noticed her email and she had not opened any of the reports. And I said, don't you ever take a look at that? And she goes, no, that's what I've got Brian for. It was a weight that she didn't have to carry. And so she got to choose. She got to say yes to who my accountability partners are but she doesn't have to carry the weight. Did And honestly, that is not a good situation for most guys, especially if there is a deep um, struggle with pornography. If it's happened for maybe even years, maybe your wife has known that you of your struggle or compulsive behavior or even addiction to pornography. And if that is the case, dragging her through it is like 
traumatizing her every time you, she sees you mess up. Now, if you never mess uh, up, I'm she's available at any time she wants to re, re, view my reports. That's her right. At the same time, it is hard on our spouse for them to be our, especially our only accountability partner for covenant eyes. We want to release that to guys and we get, we must, must let our wives tell our wives, Hey, I'm going to get a covenant eyes. I want to be open about how I use my devices. I'm a guy like any other, and I can face that temptation and, and, and honey, I'd like to have Jim be my um, accountability partner. She may say yes, or she may say, well, are you kidding? Not that guy. How about Bob? <laughs> or how about Dale? Yeah. <laughs> and she go, okay, yeah, let's go there. And uh, so they need to be part of the process. But it, it, if it's only, a, it shouldn't just be your wife receiving the report. Ever. Yeah, I have three people who receive my reports. Uh, Dale, who's who works for me, my wife, and then a board member. And I, I, for me personally, Sam, I don't know where you would put me in this battle, but for me personally, knowing that my wife looks at my reports, I, it's like Jesus healed me. <laughs> you know, it's like it's yeah. knowing that she, just knowing that to me gives me peace of mind, and it's and I and I have found with a lot of these guys that are that are on that front end of it. Just having their wives on there really solves a whole lot of problems for them. Yeah, you know, it's going to be um, uh, by individual. And I think that what you're doing is great because you've got other guys that you can get real and open and deep with. Yeah. But you don't have to drag your wife through that. So second, second, or I'm sorry, fourth phrase I have for you, which this is a recent development in the last maybe year. And I, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm sure you are. The screenshot. <laughs> okay. So we were, God does miracles at Cup of Eyes every day, it seems, but uh, we've been doing this for 20 years. We invented something called internet accountability, but internet accountability has changed. We, one, we just don't use the internet for all of our activity. True. And um, as the internet was changing, so was all the security measures that were being put in place. So you see HTTPS uh, means secure. And a lot of what we used to be able to see was going away. And that was true for everything, everybody out there. So as God would have it, <laughs> that we had a PhD mathematician with a specialty in artificial intelligence who's working for the National Security Administration who says... You know, I think, long story short, he says, I think God can use me more at Covenant Eyes than at the NSA. And he joins our team. Uh, he help us. He helps us write the algorithm and uh, to for software engineers to create the artificial intelligence that is now screen reading the devices. So now it doesn't matter on your computer whether it's pornography is coming from email, an, an internet browser, uh, any social media. In fact, even if you put a DVD or a flash drive in the side of your computer and porn appears in the screen, it's captured and sent to the report. Very same, nearly the same for Android devices, social media, texting, images on your device. Uh, doesn't matter where it comes from, it appears in your screen, captured and sent to the report. Wow. But 
So iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch works a little bit differently because of Apple's restrictions. Apple only allows its apps to talk to other apps. So to overcome this, we've created our own covenantized browser, and that replaces the Safari browser. I use an iPhone. My device is locked down with my accountability partner having the code. Um, I don't have Safari on my device. I actually don't have YouTube app on my device. I actually go through the covenantized browser to watch YouTube. And it works just fine. And uh, so um, I don't have, you know, so I've, I've set parameters and boundaries for myself on my phone um, that allow me to use my phone well. And I travel, you know, across the United States and Canada on a regular basis. And I take Covenant Eyes everywhere with me. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm on board 100%. Same exact that you're doing. And, uh, I, you know, that I don't. Obviously, I don't. Well, not obviously, but I did not know it was texting. That really is encouraging to me because, for me, I thought it was just internet. But it's good to know that some guy can't send a shot of his whatever to somebody else or whatever they're doing, and uh, mm-hmm. that it's protected. Well, even there. that really is encouraging, man. I, I'm really, really impressed. So, well, hey, what is your story and what is your history leading up to this? I, I'm I'm assuming that you've had some battles with uh, lust, and I'm I don't know how that those collided with Covenant Eyes, but you want to walk us through that. Yeah, sure, of course. I um, I grew up in a home that was violent. And um, if there was fear to me, <laughs> you know, I was afraid, uh, admittedly. Uh, there were times that everything seemed like they were perfect, you know, just like in every uh, violent home. Everything goes well for a while and everybody's appeasing to that father figure who's, who's the issues are happening. Um, when I was younger, I discovered pornography. And I don't remember, I think it was about fourth grade. Uh, in the years to follow, um, one of my friends had a, his dad has a library of pornography. It was just like falling out of his closet. And I could just take whatever I wanted. No one would know. No one would care. And in fact, it was almost encouraged. And so pornography became a part of my life at a young age, near high school. And it was not until I got married and my wife and I aren't Christians. We, she just, but she had a godly instinct, and uh, I just had it laying out on my my workbench, you know. Because hey, what's the big deal? And uh, she goes, you know, I don't think this can work in our marriage. I don't, I don't think I'd like this in our marriage. And I says, honey, I love you. I don't love this. I'll just throw it away. And I did. I threw. I threw it all away. Um, and then my brain went on fire and I was really irritated because like many porn addicts and others, I, I'm, a, I'm a control freak and I wanted to be in control. And I didn't hated the idea that I was having cravings for this stuff that I didn't understand. Uh, she was introduced to Jesus Christ through uh, my sister and through my mom and um we went to church some together and then we in our, in our current church um, she was going to church and I wasn't I didn't have anything to do with church but that is where um, I humored her by going to church with her <laughs> and uh, somehow the pastor there began uh, his preaching sermons with only me in mind he'd ignore everybody <laughs> else in the church <laughs> I hate when they do that. <laughs> just to me, right? 
that is where I also learned that pornography was addictive. Mm. And I was the least likely smoker you would ever meet. And so I kicked cigarettes when I was um, in, before my daughter was born. That was, that was my motivation. And uh, when I realized it was addictive, then now I can know, oh, well, let's see, I killed a, an addiction that people say is very hard to, to kick. And I got accountability in my life. I got out a calendar and began planning out my first 90 days of freedom. And I began having open, you know, conversations with somebody I could really trust. And through that process, and it was a process, not an overnight, hey, God forgive me, and it's all healed. Through that process and through that intention, and it took time. And then resources from Covenant Eyes that helped me, oh my goodness, now I see what I'm, I figure I'm missing. And that was so helpful where I can live in freedom today. Wow, that's, I appreciate that, man. That is so good. So when you're speaking, I, I had a couple of your questions before the podcast I wanted to ask you. And when I was eight years old, I was right around fourth grade. I remember finding yeah. a book on sex. I don't know what it was called. It was just a bunch of pictures. It was the first time I saw any of that stuff, and I shared it with the neighbors without my parents knowing. And then about a year later, a neighbor across the street, his dad had a whole stack in his garage, and that just kind of got the ball rolling, right? And so I was exposed uh, at a very early age, and the first exposure was because of my parents, obviously, from the story. What what, what when are guys, when in your experience, Sam, when are guys usually first expo- exposed to porn? What is the source of their exposure? And then what can be the impact of being exposed to pornography at such an early age? Right. Well, thank you. Those are great questions. Um, it depends on your age of when you were most likely exposed. Like um, Barna did a study in provenmen.org. They uh, they published this uh, survey um, and they found that if you were in your 50 to 68, this was done in 2014, 50 to 68, likely 3% were exposed before the age of nine. What percentage again? Only about 3%. Three? 3% if you were 50 to 68 years old back in 2014, six years ago, right? But when you move up to when you're age 30, well over um, 20% are being exposed at for the age of uh, nine or eight years old. Before before the age of nine, so eight or younger, twenty percent have been exposed, but they're at least thirty. Now, once you get to even younger, today it's almost universal. Average age for first exposure is about eight years old, because we're handing our kids. My son was eight years old when he's exposed to hardcore porn by another eight-year-old boy in my home, uh, who had brought in an iPod that I didn't see. And so when I looked, walked past the, my living room and I looked in and I saw that look in their eyes, like they'd just been caught, you know, and uh, I, I just saw that there was a device and I walked over, picked it up. And the, the other eight-year-old boy says, no, hey, we're trying to figure out this Nike app. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And I flipped it over to their, his browser and it was hardcore porn. I looked at his apps. He had been searching for more sexualized content, looked at his YouTube is more sexualized content. So it was at eight years old, he had only had his device for a very short amount of time. This is common 
from kids to go from I don't know anything to curiosity. And because of this natural neurochemistry in our brains, the dopamine fires off. It is hard, very hard for a child to look away from this. So we have to train our kids imperatively. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break, uh, Sam, and come right back. We're going to hear from our sponsor. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So I'm shocked at this 3% because in my neighborhood, I'm 54, so I'm in this category, right? So in my neighborhood, it was 100% of the boys <laughs> were exposed to porn. So for me, I think that 3% number, that sounds like it'd be much, much higher than that. Well, when I say 3%, that was mean before age of nine. Oh, before age of nine. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I'm glad I so, asked. So, you know, the average age for kids in general to have been exposed is about 13. Okay. That was the first, first exposure. That's interesting. So, so finding that magazine in my parents' closet put me in the top 3%. Likely, which yeah. is a dangerous. Wow, that's really interesting. So, so what but, can be? But how old are you now? Fifty-four. So you're fifty-four. At the time the survey was done, you had been forty-eight. In your in your bracket, you would have been twenty. You'd been in the twenty percent of young men who were exposed before the age of nine. Now this is first exposure. So, it's common for kids to be you know kids older you know in the in when they were fifty or sixty to have you know, a 50, 60-year-old, he may have been exposed at the age of 12 or 13 or 14. And he would have likely been exposed to nudity. Today, our children at 8, 9, 10, 7 even, are exposed not to just nudity, but to hardcore, violent pornography that was unimaginable in just a few decades ago. Yeah, I when I, I'm trying to go back in my brain, I was not raised in what I would call a Christian home. My first exposure to what I would call hardcore pornography probably was probably not until 16 years old, to be honest with you. Because to watch a movie back then, I remember my stepdad brought a porno and pizza over to the house when I was a senior or junior in high school. And it's like, hey, look what I got. Man, I was like, what a great stepdad. Well, today that'd be abuse, right? But that was right. my first exposure because back when we were growing up, it was pictures. Now yes. it's videos. The vast majority of what um, and and imagery, pictures, and magazines are still. Now they can be very impactful, and it but it takes longer repetition for that kind of still pornography 
to have as much impact. There's a limited supply. There's a, you know, you're just not going to get the variety that dopamine loves. Dopamine loves variety. Change it up, move it around, take it in different ways, whatever it is. Uh, it has to be different. It has to be novel. Dopamine loves novelty. And today with the internet and our smart devices, there's an endless supply of novelty. And so it's very easy for a child to get exposed to this hardcore material. I had a 15 year old girl come to our booth at a homeschool conference. Now homeschool events, uh, this, these are for parents who've done everything in their power to help control the, the general atmosphere of their child's upbringing. They want a better you know, it's not like, oh, they're super control freaks or anything. Like, please don't think that if, even if you're not familiar with homeschooling. But they have said, hey, I don't want my kids going to school on the porn theater, on, on the bus, <laughs> or on the playground, right? So they are being very protective. And what I found was kids are regularly being exposed to, to pornography. And these protected environments at seven, eight, nine, because they they believe four myths. And these are the four myths. One, my kid is a good kid. And they would never be curious. Never. Like I was curious, right? That just never occurs to them that every child is curious. And that's just natural. Every child is curious about what the opposite sex looks like naked. That's just part of growing up. Number two, if my child saw it, they just look away, wouldn't have any impact on their brain. And they don't understand that it truly, because of the, that dopamine hit, uh, it is hard for a child to look away. And then with repetition, it becomes harder and harder. We had done an event and a mom called us up and says, you know, I was definitely going to do exactly what you said to do, but we just put it off. And my daughter just walked in on my 11-year-old son, and um, he shuts down the computer. And he walked, and she talks to him about this, and goes, Mom, I knew it was wrong. I just couldn't stop clicking, and I don't know why I couldn't stop clicking. I just couldn't stop doing it. And this is his first exposure at 11. Now, this, it, it's hard for a child to look away. Number three, the measures I have in place are good enough. And usually what this means is that um, we've put a computer in an open environment. We're doing very poorly at protecting our Agreed. kids because we believe silliness. Uh, I, you know, we just, we just, we, we play with our own doubts. And instead of following our doubts, we just kind of move those aside and because our kids are such good kids. But we need to protect our devices because we mow the lawn, we do the dishes, we can't look over their shoulder every time they're on a device. It's just not realistic. Uh, and number four, boys are the only ones who struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's in, in today's environment, because children are being exposed at such young ages, we're seeing a big increase in the number of women who say they struggle with pornography. So about, in, in one study you're looking at, about a third of women in the church, they have an ongoing struggle with pornography. Um, less so for older women, more so for younger women. So the younger a woman is, now keep in mind that 17 to 25, that's this that that's the folks that are asked when you were when were you first exposed to pornography? 
or have you been exposed to pornography? Are you struggling now? They don't get to ask the 16 and younger. So we're missing that data, but here's what I'm seeing incrementally. In this homeschool environment where things are so locked down, 40% of parents say, absolutely, I know for certain my child was exposed to pornography because I witnessed it and caught it. 40%. Yet 71% of kids say they hide what they do online. So definitely, even in the most secure environments, children are being exposed to pornography. It's often happening child to child. Children are exposing other children to pornography. So we have to train and equip our kids not for if they're going to be exposed to them, but when. That, that is so powerful, Sam. I appreciate that. And I was a youth pastor for 25 years, and my homeschool parents were a gift. They were the most vigilant parents in protecting their children, right? And so I really appreciate what you're saying, because it's really a wake-up call, because most parents aren't homeschooling. So when you make that statement, we say, hey, man, our, our most vigilant group of parents is saying this. This is really important. I remember we had a family camp in the year 2000. So my oldest son, James, in 2000 was six years old, six years old. And we had a family gathering in our cabin. And during that gathering, I had been telling my wife, you need to get the Victoria's Secret magazines out of the house because they're bothering me. They're causing me to stumble, right? And these are just pictures of women in in their their whatever. And she goes, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. Well, at our family camp, I asked James, what do you think about those Victoria's Secret magazines? catalogs. And he goes, oh, I look at them all the time. And that was a wake-up call for my wife to realize we need to get that out. Now, that that was in the era before cell phones. So then yeah, we had... That my, my own obsession with pornography began with the JC catalog. Yeah, I, I remember those. Right? Yeah, the broad, the broad <laughs> shots. No, I, I'm we're the same age, man. I totally remember what you're talking about. And so uh, this... So speak, we've been talking about the impact... So this impact of pornography on a younger child is, is very powerful. Our, mm-hmm. our guys listening right now are guys, we call them guys, in, men in the arena. So they're in the stress bubble of life between 25 and 55. Their kids are in the home. They're, they're navigating these murky waters. How can a dad, and obviously we want these dads to protect themselves yeah. uh, from pornography, but, but it's, a bigger, it's bigger than themselves. It's their kids. 30% of women, I've read that statistic, 70% of men, how do dads be, how are, how are dads wise and vigilant to protect their kids against this, this nasty, nasty, this is a pandemic, literally. Yeah. Let me give you what I would encourage as, and I'll try to break it down the four steps. Hopefully I won't go over the four steps, but I want to keep it easy. Yep. One Filtering isn't enough. Have accountability. So you're having the ongoing conversation in your home. So, you know, you can click on the link on your website and uh, there you get 30 days free. You don't get 30 days free if you come to Covenant Eyes directly. So click on that men in the arena uh, link so you get that free 30 days. And uh, when you do that, download Covenant Eyes to all your devices you get a separate report for each member of your family. So um, you can have as $15.99 a month covers every device in your home. Doesn't matter how many devices in your home. Doesn't matter how many family members. And then each person in the home gets a separate username and password. 
Now, you can have filtering for your kids. And as an adult, you can just be held accountable. I don't, my, my devices aren't filtered. But I wanted to make sure my kids, when they got on the same device as me, they use a separate community username and password. And now they're both filtered and held accountable. And they leave the device and you log in to Covenant Eyes. You can just be accountable. Makes sense? Now, use the report. If you get a report and don't discuss it with your kids, it's not going to, it's of no use. Yeah. So use to have an ongoing conversation, even when things are okay. Some of the best conversations I've had with my kids, I just got reports uh, that talked about, you know, there were other things. I'd click on that on each individual image there and it will show you which device is being used, which app was being used, often the title of an article or a page. Use that to have an ongoing discussion mm. and and talk with your kids. This is in, imperative that you have ongoing conversations with your kids. And I'll come back to that if we have time. Two, use a, uh, there's a book I recommend for young kids. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. That's for kids eight to about 12. And Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. And that's a read-along book for kids about age four to seven. Now, this totally works. Let me tell you a story about uh, a, a mom that I met at a homeschool conference. And she was so excited. She had come to a, a session the year I, before that I did. And she had used, first, the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior book with her seven-year-old that taught him to turn, run, and tell when he saw images without the bathing suit covered, without the bathing suit area covered. Turn, run, and tell, turn, run, and tell. And she's using Covenant Eyes uh, to have an ongoing conversation. She and her husband were both doing this. And uh, so with this training, her son was prepared when he went next door and the seven-year-old there had just received an iPad for his birthday. And he kind of double-fists his iPad and puts it right up against basically the nose of the seven-year-old then trained and says, look what I found. But the seven-year-old then trained, he goes, no, that's pornography. And he turns, runs, and tells. That's awesome. So they congratulate him. So excited. You stood up. You're a great young man. Thank you for doing that. And they let the other parents know because they're good friends. And with a little more investigation, the other parents discover their seven-year-old has exposed seven, eight, nine, and 11-year-olds throughout the entire neighborhood. The only child who said anything was the child who was trained. We have to train our kids, not for if they're going to be exposed, but for when they're going to be exposed to pornography. And uh, that was number two, right? And that one is have filtering and accountability for all your devices in your home. If you can't filter and have it be accountable, don't have it in your home. Two, have an ongoing conversation and train your kids with mm -hmm. things like Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book and the ongoing accountability reports. Use the reports to have an ongoing conversation with your kids. And number three, lead by example. Don't ask your kids to do something you're not willing to do yourself. So this is not just a and, – and, and frankly, I find a lot of guys find this an easy way to introduce Covenant Eyes into their home, saying, hey, 
I want to make sure our home is a safe place, a place where uh, we don't allow this to sexualized media to infiltrate our home on our devices. And I'm going to lead by example. I always let my, my kids know who my accountability partners were. They got to watch me hand my phone over to them. I purposely did it in front of them so they knew that I wasn't asking for them, them to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Well, here's my thought, Sam, on that. I think parents guarding their children against pornography is largely a Christian thing. Like we value that. That's a value that we have. And we think about that. And we talk about that. And as I hear you say what you're saying, I am in wholehearted, all caps agreement to the point where I would say to men listening, if you are unwilling as the father and leader of your family to put this, this, covenant eyes application on all of your devices, you either don't love, you're not committed to Jesus, or you or you have a problem with pornography yourself and you don't want to get caught, or you're failing miserably as a spiritual leader. I, I know I'm being extreme here, but this we are in a very, very dark period of our uh, uh, days with pornography, and we have to battle this, and we have to be proactive as men to battle this. Do you have anything to add to that statement I just made? Well, um, you you said uh, that this is largely a Christian thing, but even the pornography industry will say that pornography is not for children. And yet, um, one of the bigger issues that have come now is that as children have been more and more exposed to pornography, and now they're exposing other children to pornography, they're also acting out what they see. So there's been a great increase in child-on-child sexual assault because they're impersonating what they saw in pornography. So when I say Christian thing, uh, Sam, based on counseling and my interactions with those who are not Mm -hmm. believers, it's, it's even my own story and your story. I did, I celebrated pornography as a non-believer. So I didn't see it as a problem, but as a Christian man, I recognize the problem behind that. Are, Are you seeing covenant eyes, move into the secular world also? Are, are they seeing this as a value to battle? Well, I think in even in the secular world, they are battling pornography. We just happen, I, I do think there are a number of organizations, you know, uh, I think there are a great number of parents who are very concerned about pornography and sexualized media hitting their kids at too young of an age anyway. There's one thing that's filters and accountability to us is the ongoing conversation. And that's what's so unique about Covenant Eyes in our sphere. And we approach it from a Christian perspective. We just believe this is what God has called us to do. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the secular world right now, and the secular world looks at, they look at different than we look at it, and they, they look at it as, okay, what are the what are the fruits of this particular industry? Well, sex trafficking, rape, objectification of women, these are all things the world still hates. And so their response to pornography would be to curtail uh, these these uh, horrific crimes against humanity. And even the secular, I was reading a, uh, a new study and a series of three new studies in psycholog- psychology today. The authors were saying, here's the three things we know that are true. One, uh, pornography does not improve relationships. It, it is tearing, it is separating people and isolating people and they are not often dealing with 
whatever issues in life, they are, this is from a totally spec- secular perspective. Well, truth is pornography truth. Is doing, pornography is doing harm to relationships. Yeah, it's true. Truth is truth. It is increasing the likelihood of divorce. Uh, so in, it seems like every study it's ever done shows that one, it's hurting relationships, two, it's increasing divorce, and three, people are less sexually satisfied if they use porn. The porn industry loves to tell you that, hey, if you watch more, you'll be more satisfied. But the opposite is true. And every study that's ever been done says the same thing. Well, and I love the lie out there. Have multiple sex partners before you're married. Test drive the car. I think it was Newsweek. Newsweek magazine came out probably 15 years ago, the study on sexual satisfaction. They found the most satisfied couples. This is Newsweek. We're yeah. Christian monogamous couples. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's been a consistent yeah. thing uh, throughout many, several studies. The, the most satisfied people are those in long-term monogamous relationships. It's always been true. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the truth is truth, and so so hey, so let's say I know that we have guys listening. I would say a, a large group of guys listening, maybe a majority, are are struggling. With pornography, it's moved more. It's moved beyond occasional usage. What are some steps every guy should start doing now to begin a journey of freedom? Let me give you uh, one of the biggest problems that many guys face is number one, secrecy, because they they believe that they pray hard enough and memorize enough scripture or do these kinds of things, then they're it'll. They'll just get better. God, just take this away from me. You know, even Paul prayed for God to take, he said he he prayed to God that he, three times to take this away from me, he said he didn't. The way that God often helps, especially in this specific area, is through community. Mm. And so we need, number one, to get rid of the secrecy. Amen. And begin getting authentic and honest with someone else. Number two, you need a game plan. And if you don't have a game plan, we can help you with that. There's a number of resources at CovenantEyes.com, not only our blogs, but we have something called the 40-Day Challenge. And you can find that on your iPhone in your app store. Just look for Overcome Porn 40-Day Challenge or just 40-Day Challenge, and the Overcome Porn 40-Day Challenge app will come up. That's on your iPhone. It's free. Download it. If you have an Android device or would like to receive this by email, just simply go to the Covenant Eyes website, and in our search, type in Overcome Porn, the 40-Day Challenge, and you'll get an introduction, and you can sign up for that, and you'll get 40 days of video, readings, opportunities to journal, and more to help you on your first 40 days. Now, number three, I want you to get out a calendar. I don't care if it's your phone or a written calendar. And I want you to begin mapping out your first day of freedom. Today is day one. Today is the is a day that you said, I am I'm no longer going to look at pornography. Today is day one, and you're going to map out your first 90 days of freedom. And along the way, on day three, day seven, day 10, day 14, you want to create opportunities for celebration whether it's an ice cream cone or what have you, what have you, every guy I mentor, I'm, we do this with. And when he gets to nine days, I take him for a steak dinner. I'll do anything for a steak dinner. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know, it, it really is about encouragement and growth. If it's always about, oh, I'm not doing good enough or I'm always, you know, I'm just fighting harder, we need to celebrate our victories along the way. Because the angels and God is celebrating right along with us. They, he has designed us to live in freedom, not in this prison. So I want to point a clarification because I know for me, when I hear diet, I'm always trying to find ways to break rules. When you say freedom, are you saying uh, no masturbation? Are you saying no uh, scantily clad images? Are you saying, I mean, when you say freedom for a man, what, now I think I know what you're talking about, but a guy out yeah. there who's really struggling is going to find a loophole. So when you say free, what what does that look like to you? Free from doing what? Now, one, let's keep in mind, too, that this, uh, let me, be sure that you pick up the porn circuit, that free ebook at covenanteyes.com forward slash ebooks. It's gonna, there's going to be some a few details in there that can help you, as long as some other ebooks that are going to help you, too. But this is a journey. And that first 90 days is fraught with potential disaster. Hmm. Because I, I remember talking to a guy in his 40s, and he said, you know, Sam, when I got to day three, I realized that I hadn't been three days without watching pornography since I was a teenager. So um, this, for many guys out there, this is a serious, very serious journey. So when you're mapping out your first 90 days, this is not an easy task. And it's easy for say, well, I've, I've gone 14 days or 21 days or 30 days without watching pornography, without masturbating, without, uh, you know, doing that. And, um, and so I deserve a little break. And each time you give in to that. Remember that path in the woods. What we're trying to do is we is let that path grow over with some grass and weeds. Ah. But you're also going to have to focus on that 90 days, not only avoiding the thing, the pornography and the masturbation, but you're also going to focus on healthy, something healthy and enjoyable and fun. If it's all about the work, <laughs> it's going to be much harder. So do yeah. something you enjoy. I enjoy running. So uh, often, you know, when we have disappointments or frustrations or anger, um, pornography has been an easy outlet. But usually if, us runners say that if you can't solve the problem in the first five miles, you need some real help. <laughs> See, the only difference between you and I, Sam, the only difference between what you and I believe is that if, if I were to look at porn, my punishment would be running. <laughs> well, we'll have some, we have those kind of consequences for you. Yeah, I hear. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. There, there's so much here, Sam, and this is so rich and deep. Uh, I'm so engaged in this conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time, and I have a bunch of questions left. But I want to honor your time, and I want to honor these guys. And so now I heard you say something, and I want to make sure I heard this right. Did I hear yeah. a free offer for men in the arena? Yeah, so if you <laughs> go to your website and tap on that, on the logo on your website, that includes your code for the first 30 days free of Covenant Eyes. Okay, so are we tapping on the Covenant Eyes logo on our website? 
on your yes, the Covenantize logo, the Covenantize uh, banner on your website provides the first thirty days free of Covenant. Hey, I really appreciate that, Sam. That's wonderful, guys. We want to encourage you to go get the Overcome Porn forty day challenge on your app store and iTunes, or you can go to the Covenant Eyes website and pick that up. Is that correct? That's right. Go to covenanteyes.com forward slash ebooks. And then how do we get a hold of your book? Man, I, I really appreciate that. We'll include that in the link to this episode as well. Uh, thanks so much, Sam. Really appreciate your wisdom, your insight, and your ability to communicate uh, these great points and truths. Guys, what's next? What action item will you take because of what you heard? Let's get our boots on the ground. Let's get the tread on our boots dirty. And here's what I want you to do, guys. Guys, I beg you, go to Covenant Eyes on your phone or, or go to our website. Get the 30-day get the deal first. But after that deal runs over, I want you to take $15.99 a month out of your budget, your monthly budget, invest it in Covenant Eyes, get it on every device in your family. It'll be the best $15.99 you've ever spent. Listen, you may go, I can't do that. Hey, get rid of your Netflix account. It's exactly the same. It's like the same amount of money. Get rid of Netflix, put this on, and get going. Listen, guys, you're always asking us, how do I be? A, how do I become a spiritual leader? I just served it up on a plate. I just threw a fastball down the middle. Now it's your opportunity as spiritual leader to hit this ball out of the park. Go get this on your phone. Go get this taken care of. Lead your family well now. Guys, we'll also post this on our uh, equipping blast that goes out to men around the country. But until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Load covenant eyes on all your devices. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.